this week, I was going to talk to you about one player that came over to our beloved Lakers, Russell Westbrook. Um, but since that day that Russell Westbrook became a Laker, they've added a number of other players. Yes, they have. So some people are going to say they're collecting us and they're building this super team. And I might have agreed with them if it was like 2012 or 2015. Mm-hmm. But let, let me run down. So we obviously know LeBron is there. We know AD is there. And we know that Russell Westbrook is there. So I'm going to start with those three for a second. The initial narrative was, I don't know how these three guys are going to, are going to coexist, right? Westbrook is ball dominant. LeBron is ball dominant. AD is kind of the, the, the lucky guy who gets to benefit if he's healthy from those two. And they said, hey, we need shooters. And we were talking about this. We need perimeter shooters around LeBron. But then I went back and I looked into some statistics, as you know, I like to do. And I saw that, you know, different player, but Dwayne Wade wasn't really a great three-point shooter. In fact, he's, he's well below average as a three-point shooter. And they found a way to make it work. So I felt good about Westbrook, LeBron, and AD. So before I go down the list, what was your initial reaction when you heard about Westbrook joining the Lakers? Championship. <laughs> that simple? I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, you're talking about one of the most talented point guards in all of pro basketball. And if you went, I mean, which I shouldn't say went, if you just go look through his history, everywhere he's played, he helped make who was the unquestioned top guy a great player. I mean, you go just look at this past year, Bradley Bill had one of his un- unprecedented years, you know. Um, and obviously, he still played well. This guy is a triple-double you know, uh, every night, you know, rebounds, assists, scoring. Um, he's from California. He brings that that swag to the Lakers just to me what they need. You know, uh, LeBron doesn't – LeBron's never been that guy. He's just been the best player in the world, but he's never been that Kobe, I'm going to take your, 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 your throat, grab you by the throat and finish you. You know, it's just kind of who Russell is. And Russell don't play. So he's going to elevate a lot of guys around him. And uh, he loves the game of basketball and he wants to win. So I think it's the right fit at the right time. I reminded people who said, this isn't a good fit. And I said, look, the one thing I know about LeBron is he will put team first. Mm-hmm. And he knows that now this needs to be, Russ needs to have the ball in his hands. And let's not forget the last couple of seasons when the, you know, not to say his physical ability has, has deteriorated, but he is getting old LeBron I'm talking about. Right. He is getting older and his mm-hmm. three-point shooting has gotten better statistically through the years. So I think him being off the ball a little bit actually is going to help him give him maybe that extra year or two we talked about. So that's why I say it's pretty, it's a good fit because I know LeBron will do the right thing for the team, which is put the ball in, in Russ's hands. And I think, like I said, those three guys, obviously key is health. So here's, here's the, let me run down the list and I'm going to give you their ages too. So now they've added Mello, who's 37. LeBron mm-hmm. is 36. Gasol is 36. They added Trevor Ariza, 36. Dwight Howard has come back now for his third stint. Uh, I, I warned him, California, three strikes and you're out, so you better be careful. <laughs> uh, Dwight, is, Dwight is 35. Uh, Ellington is 33. Uh, Bazemore is 32. Russ is 32. AD, the young guy at 28. They also signed Nunn, who's 26. Monk, who is 23. 
And of course, they re-sign their own restricted free agent, THT, who's 20. Um, I'm, I'm probably missing a couple of guys there as well because yeah, the 30 year older I saw too somewhere. I forget who it was. Yeah, there was there were there's another one in there too. So yeah. this is a lot of guys taking, you know, minimum deals and mid-level exceptions to join a Laker team. Listen, let's be honest, they're trying to get a ring. We've created this narrative that if you don't win a ring, your career was worthless, which I disagree with, how, however. But um, how do you think all those guys, like the, will they? I'm going to go back. Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'm going to go back to like 1996. And everyone talks about Phil Jackson being this, you know, the greatest coach of all time. And when you look at the rings on his fingers, I could see why you say that. He had. Jordan, who was clearly the guy, right? There wasn't anybody, you know, we knew that was Jordan's team. Pippen, who was clearly the number two, right? Bring the ball up the court, initiate the triangle offense and play defense, right? Pick up the, the, the best offensive player from the other team and play defense. Dennis Rodman, who off the court might've been crazy, on the court, maybe a little bit crazy, but your job is to play defense and rebound. So yes, there were big personalities, but they all understood their role. Frank Vogel now is going to have to take a team that we don't know, right? He's going to have to define, Russ, this is your role. LeBron as the, you know, historically the best player, but are you still the best player? This is your role. AD, this is your role. Mello, right? This is your role. When you have a collection of talent like that, how, how, do, you, how do you think he'll be able to deal with all those pieces and putting them into understanding their roles? Well, the first thing when I think about it, the, the most important part of this is LeBron James. This is what he's the master at. He's a master at building a team that will do exactly what needs to be done. And he has a way of putting these people together that will give it a chance to be the best that it can be. And that's the most important part of this, you know, it's LeBron. And everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows what he accomplishes and what he stands for. So I think that is going to be okay. He has a way of putting people at ease and together. So I think between him and AD and Russ, you know, it's, it's going to work. Now you have Mello, you have a couple other people who are going to bring, um, you know, different set of skills and a different set of personalities to the team. So, um, I just think it starts with him. I think the coach is the right coach because I think he has the right personality, you know, to, to handle this. And everybody, and I, and I hate to use the word handle because I don't think you handle people. I think you handle furniture. You, I think you mold and coach people, you know, and I think that's what they have. And I think LeBron's about that. And I think people make sacrifices for the opportunity to win. So I think everybody's coming there with the idea you know, that, hey, look, we're going to have to give up a little something in order to get to where we want to go. We know who the big three is, and we're going to fill in here. You know, what I'm excited about is it looks like the Lakers have a first team, and they can run a second team at you. And when, like you said, when certain people sit down, we're not going to worry about can somebody make a shot. You know, Melo can still fill it up when he needs to. You know, I mean, if he gives us 15 points a game, I mean, you'll be happy. Let's <laughs> just be honest. So I just think they, they've improved their team. I love what they've done um, because I think they addressed a lot of needs. Now, are they older than what you like? Yeah, they are. Let's be honest. They are. A lot of these guys are one-year deals. 
but you, the first thing you said, they're chasing the championship. So I get it and I respect it. Okay. Well, let's, let's hope that it does work out. Obviously, um, even just one year away from a ring, just, it doesn't mm -hmm. sit, it doesn't sit well with me. So, um, I, like I said, I, I think they find a way I, they've got the talent. Um, and when you look at, you know, across the other side, there's another big three that added a piece that if healthy, right. They're, they're a little bit younger, KD, Harden, mm -hmm. Kyrie. Now they added Patty Mills, um, mm -hmm. into that mix. They're, they're, you know, you know, we said it a couple of weeks ago, way too early, but it's, it's looking like if the, everybody stays healthy, that's going to be, you know, it's the matchup we wanted to see this year, Lakers and Nets. We might, right. uh, you know, it might be a year later, but I think that's what we're going to see. Mm -hmm. Now to, to football and a lot of connections here with, with my team in a second, but Carson Wentz again, injured. Um, you know, I feel terrible for him because ever since that MVP caliber season it's been it feels like it's just been one bad you know thing after another for him and here's another one out you know who knows five to 12 weeks do, do the Colts you know keep it together long enough with what they have do they make obviously the the everybody right away starts Nick Foles makes sense he's the one that took over for once in Philadelphia he he knows Frank Wright's system he can you know obviously the Bears have no real need for him because they have uh, Dalton and Fields. Uh, they've been trying to get rid of him, don't, I, I'm sure, with that contract. Do you think the Colts make a move for Foles or someone else? Or do they just stick with it uh, and hope, wait, wait, wait and hope that he returns sooner than later? I think they hope he returns, but they have to do something. This is a team that has championship aspirations. So you have to give the team the best chance the players know. They know they don't have a quarterback right now. The backup is somebody we don't know, and they just traded for Brett Hundley. I mean, just signed Brett Hundley, I should say. So they don't have the guy at quarterback. They have to do something. Uh, he's not expected to return any time between week five and 12. It's a five to 12 week injury. Five, five to 12 weeks, yeah. So where it puts him is probably game three or four after a quarter of the season. And we all know if you get off to a bad start, that could be your year. And then he's got to return from the injury and get back to where he was or has been. So th there's a lot of guessing there. So as and when I put on my head coach hat and understand GMs, we're looking for anybody that can help us win a few games until we can't get it back. So do I think something will happen? I think there's a good possibility. If you're Carson Wentz, knowing what happened to you in Philadelphia, you've brought this up a few times, right? Where you were the starter in Philly and they put up your backup. They put up a statue uh, of your backup. D do you want Foles there? Anthony K, it would be the worst thing that could happen to Carson Wentz. It's just a reminder that this guy is better than you. He's going to unseat you. It's, it's everything. It, it's the worst nightmare for the organization, for Carson Wentz, for everybody. I mean, it just doesn't fit. You know, when you look at it, this doesn't work. You know, uh, this is a guy that really basically started his descent in Philadelphia. So I wouldn't want to be in that situation. Yeah, and it's it's funny because you're. I, I know what's going to happen right now. Just from what you just said, people are going, there's no way that Nick Foles is better than Carson Wentz. Well, mm -hmm. you know what? He's played better. When there he's been called upon, he's been available. 
and avail right. availability is important. And Wentz just, you know, just always seems something. Uh, again, so so you don't think Foles, is there, can you think of someone? Is there someone out there that would make sense for the Colts? <laughs> Sean Watson. <laughs> well, is that realistic? <laughs> there's no argument, right? Yeah. And there's no, I don't know if they can pull it off financially. I don't know if they can pull it off, whatever that is, but I know what I'd be doing. I'm trying to improve. One thing we know about the National Football League, you got to put the best players on your team. If you want to win and if you expect the best, you got to go get the best every chance you get. So I am calling Houston saying, what What do you want, you know, for this guy? And because I, I, I have damaged goods right now, you know, and so if I can improve in a position, I'm going to try to improve. That 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 would improve them. That would that would be that'd be a nice. It actually makes sense too. I, again, I don't know where Watson is. Obviously, his off the field stuff right. is still looming over him. But uh, I know well, that he still wants out. Yeah. Well, the league has said the league has said you know there's nothing that you know is hindering him from practice or playing or doing anything. A couple of weeks ago, we had um, Adam Rank. <laughs> on the show and I asked him about Tim Tebow and we've mm -hmm. talked about Tim Tebow a couple of times and how we didn't feel um, he he should be given the opportunity because there's a, a bunch of other players that maybe probably deserved it more than he did mm -hmm. and we understood why they were doing it of course but right the report now and, and I think he said he's more likely of uh, him showing up at some AEW wrestling event than mm -hmm. than than making the roster so now we see the report out of there, you know, uh, CBS Sports talking about he looks like a, I'm, I hope I get the quote right. He looked like a seventh grader out there where everybody else has grown up and to be, you know, a, a full grown man. And he stayed in, in the seventh grade. Now, from what I see of Tim Tebow, he's, a, you know, he's, he's in good shape, but he's not the size of your typical tight end, right? Yeah. Tight ends are typically, you know, bigger, taller. And yeah. two things that concerned me was one, when he said, seeing him next to the other tight ends uh, on the field. And the second thing he said in that video that I sent you was he was, he was coming, uh, coming off and he was supposed to block and instead he ducked his head down and just, and didn't block anybody, right. um, which, you know, you do that once or twice to your QB and leave him, leave him vulnerable. Hey, you're not, not making any friends like that. Absolutely. So is the experiment over? Or do you think they keep him around like the practice squad practice squad is extended a little bit this year? Do they keep him on? That's what I heard. So somewhere in there lies the truth, right? Um, and I guess, like you say, he was in there with the first team. You don't give a guy like him first team reps. The fact that he was in there with the first team, I, I read between the lines, there's something there. There's something that someone is excited about experimenting with or something. Will it surprise me because the the free agent roster is, I mean, I should say the practice squad roster is extended. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, because this is called an experiment. An experiment is what you put on the practice squad to see if you can get them to where they need to be. Might not ever happen. I think it'd be very disappointing. I think there's more guys who deserve the opportunity. I'm not bashing Tim Tebow by any stretch of imagination, but he's never played the position. And hearing some of the things that were said, the biggest thing that bothered me wasn't his size. It was him turning down the hit because this is not running with the football as a quarterback and knowing how that's going to be. This is blocking people, full speed collisions, man, man on versus man. And you're trying to 
get somebody out of a hole or, or create an opportunity for a runner to run with the ball or protect the quarterback. I just think that's going to be tough for them. Yeah. And listen, we know when, when teams experiment with rosters, uh, it doesn't typically end, uh, end up well. So uh, hopefully they, they make the right football decisions, not the right, you know, PR decisions. The New York speaking now, speaking of, <laughs> Oh man. So as I was re- reading about the TiVo stuff, I got the, the you know, the, what I'm not surprised, you know, I heard this was happening and you always say where there's smoke, there's smoke. And no. I asked around and I said, no, 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 it's nothing. It's, you know, it's, it's not real. It's not going to happen. What you, what you're hearing is wrong. Um, you know, the, the, the coach had cut, um, I, we talked about the player he cut last week in at the Giants I'm talking about, and he said all these nasty things about uh, about coach. And you know what? He might have might have been wrong. He he might have been right because now we hear there was a huge brawl at Giants practice. What you don't want to listen, I get it. You get heated in the moment. I hear about fights. We've been to training camp. You've been at training camp, obviously. You've seen guys go at it. Oh yeah. Of course. Daniel Jones was at the bottom of that pile. There's way too much money thrown at your quarterback. Your quarterback is way too important to be at the bottom of, of, of a scrum. <laughs> so obviously there's something there. There's something there. Is that, you know, I asked you and you're like, well, that's just childish. What, what, what's going on when you look, you like, again, like I said, you like the heated, you like the, you know, you like the fire crossing the line, right? Yeah. I, I think one of the core, something, something really must have set the quarterback off. Because quarterbacks normally don't go in there and get involved. Someone said that uh, Logan Ryan just Tebowed one of the tight ends, uh, Ingram. I could see that pissing off a quarterback. But for him to be on the bottom of the pile and it be a team brawl, that doesn't make sense because none of the defensive players know you don't touch the quarterback. I don't yeah, he, care. he wears a red shirt for a That's reason. Right. Right? right. There's things we can do, but you don't touch him. Yeah. That's bound that that's a reason for you to get get removed from the team let alone be sent in so something's there um and obviously but the coach did what he felt was right you know he put him through the paces of running uh push-ups uh how long you can get away with that you know at a in a grown man's game i i, I would challenge that um I don't know what the culture is there. They didn't win a ton of games last year. They were in a lot of games. I think they've improved, but I don't know what that culture is. You can lose players really fast if you take them beyond where they think um, is reasonable. And, um, you know, maybe run them a little bit, but when I heard running and push-ups and a talking to, I mean, it's like we're dealing with kids. And so that you use the word childish. I mean, I'm never going to bash any coach that feels like they have created whatever the environment is because that's what they have to do. And I, I'm not there to judge that. But at the same time, I do know players and they will wear out really quickly. Now, all that stuff that you're doing, if it go leads to 12 wins and them in the playoffs and they got a chance to, to fight for the Super Bowl, nobody say a word. You start losing, all this stuff will be remembered. It'll all come back up. Yeah, because that listen, I, you took my second question away because when I hear stuff like he put him on the line 
and it was, you know, all, everybody was quiet. All you heard was a whistle and expletive, 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 right? I, I just, I listen, I get it. I, I had that, I've had that practice, but it was in high school, right? I don't know how that relates to, to the pro game. And it doesn't. Anybody says it does, it doesn't. I don't, you know, everybody, I've heard all the stories about Belichick and how they do things. That's a mental deal there. They squeeze you for time, um, which makes you want to do things right because they're so well prepared. Okay, let's just be honest. That's that's what I know. Um, I haven't heard the physical. You know, I don't know many places where the physical turns into that. Maybe, maybe it did. The guy had to learn what he learned from somewhere. That's where he came from. So I would be surprised because there's only so many, so much of that you can do to a play before they tune you out. And when they tune you out, they're done. They're, they're, they're done with you and you're pretty much done with them. From real football, I know that you're, you're, you're taking, you're taking a dive into, into my realm. Um, you know, I'm the, com I'm the commissioner. I play in a ton of fantasy football leagues. And I thought as we're getting in, you know, people are starting to do their mock drafts. They're starting to get ready. And, you know, I want to help people. That's, you know, that's always been my goal. So I want to, I want to do like a, a fantasy football one-on-one. So have you done, you haven't done, have you done any of your, I know you've been talking about it, but have you done any of the mock draft stuff yet? Have you got dove into the fantasy football world yet completely? I have not. Um, I'm working on it. I'm going to work on it soon when I get some free time, whenever that is. <laughs> I have an idea of what it is. I, I know you better have people that can score points for you. I understand that you have to understand the strategy of there's players who are not the top line players that can score a lot of points for you because they get a chance to play uh, at some very key positions, running backs, receivers, quarterbacks. I, I get that piece of it. Um, but at the same time, what gets me is that um, what people think is the best players are not always the best players. Correct. And that's what's interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I, the other thing, you know, when we're talking about fantasy football 101, and I'm going to do a series every week and get deeper and deeper into it. But I wanted to start with this week because your initial reaction, right? Someone who knows football, you're going to be like, well, I need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. But the reality is you, you do and you don't, right? Because the, the drop-off from QB1 to QB10 is oh, wow. so small that, well, maybe QB2 to QB10 because there's there's the exception, right? Patrick Mahomes two seasons yeah. ago, you know, he had a crazy season. But last year kind of came back to the pack. So it, it doesn't make sense because there's so many good quarterbacks that in a typical, you know, now there's so many variations uh, mm -hmm. of the ways you can play. There's super flex and two QB. And yeah. but so I'm just for the for the normal league, it's typically a 10 or a 12 team league, and you mm -hmm. have one quarterback. Right. So you got 32 starting quarterbacks. So very few, you know, even if everybody took two, you still have the top 20. You're still going to get really, let's be honest, a top 15 quarterback. And right. the drop off, like I said, from two, three to 10 or 11, it's not huge. So you wait. What do you need? You need running backs. Well, unless you're in a point, you know, PPR. So then you need, you know, you need your wide receivers. So it's, it's different. Like in real football, would you ever start your team and say, okay, who's your first pick? It's this running back? Never. Or would you? Maybe you would. No, I would not. Yeah. Just what you just said. I mean, yeah. you got, if you don't, 
grab one of these quarterbacks fast. <laughs> you got to get somebody. It yeah. So, so, so that's what I said. So for those that are listening and, you know, you're new to fantasy football, start with your running backs, unless you're picking, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th, then maybe you want to start yeah. looking at your top wide receivers, but wait, just wait. Unless now Patrick Mahomes is sitting there for you in the second or third round, maybe third. Yeah. yeah take them, take them. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But typically, you if you like, I'll, I'll tell you my draft last year. I got Josh Allen um, from the Bills quarterback in like the sixth or seventh round. That's amazing to me. How did you uh, steal that? Because people didn't pay attention. They thought, ah, oh, the Bills, it's cold weather. But I knew, I said, hey, he can get me, you can get me uh, yards, right? He can get me rushing TDs and passing yeah. TDs. He's he's one, he's one of the guys that you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. That's, why Lamar goes, that's why Lamar goes early. That's so. why Lamar goes early. Yeah, he went very early yeah. last year. And you, know, you, can, you can get those. And and you know what? I'm thinking back, it might have been fifth. But I, I know it was in the later round. I knew I got two running backs and two wide receivers before I picked my quarterback. So it might have been fifth. But that's what I'm saying is you can do that in fantasy. So if we're given fantasy tips, that's what it is. It's do your mock drafts, running backs go first, uh, and then wide receivers. Who, who's, your, who's your running back this year? Well, I haven't made I ha, we haven't drafted yet, um, but I I will always look. Listen, there's the, if I'm looking first re, first round. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Let's let's go ahead. Okay, come on. It depends where I draft, but I I would be very happy. I'll say all these names. I'll be very happy. I will say this: the last three seasons I've had Alvin Kamara, um, okay. so I'm happy with him because he can receive. I'm in a PPR. Most of my leagues are PPR. I play in a couple mm-hmm. that aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Alvin Kamara is always good because he, he gets the receptions as well as, mm-hmm. as the rushing. Obviously, if Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey is healthy, he's he's there. Delvin Cook. Um, who else? There's there is there, honestly there's so many that I can think of. I Nick actually I was really I was really high. I was gonna steal Cam Akers, I felt this year until he got injured. So that was that was one of yeah, the yeah, uh, big... yeah. But yeah, so there's I th- I know I'm sure that I missed a couple. I, I'll say this, David Montgomery, and I'm not just saying this as a Bears fan. David Montgomery is another sneaky one that you'll be able to get later that he's going to be a big part of the offense this year. Um, yes. And so I, I like guys I like guys like that because what, whoever I pick in the first round t- t- tends to get hurt. It's almost inevitable that they're going to get hurt. So I, I, do, I do try to load up on, on as many running backs as I can, and, and, and I do like the cuff. But we'll get into cuffs <laughs> next week. Um, <laughs> So this is this is a sad day um, for me. Um, for me, it's a sad day because it's it's our it's our last official weekly. You know, we're obviously gonna stay in touch. We'll talk. We'll have you on as a guest. But this is our last official you know f- uh, show together. And so on a sad day, I'm gonna ask you a really really hard question. Uh, because we want to have these uncomfortable conversations. So <laughs> let's have the last episode as the most uncomfortable of them all. So I threw some words out at you. Sell out, Uncle Tom. Uh, keep it real. And the reason, because of course you guys, why am I saying that to you? There's uh, someone who gets a lot of heat on social media. Then the reason she gets a lot of heat is she's a black woman. She's married to a white guy. Mm-hmm. And she's been recently been posting her comments from other people who are just bashing her. Vicious. Just like, just like bashing her. And it got me thinking, right? We have these conversations. 
and it's not like I hear it a lot, right? One, I'll give my own personal example. My girlfriend in high school, um, she was Jamaican, and every single guy gave her a hard time for dating a white guy. Like, I mean, just killed her. Obviously, then having, you know, with, with my group of friends, I hear a lot, hey, if they were successful, they're, they're a sellout. If they, you know, spoke a certain way, right? Yep. They, they weren't keeping it real. And I got to ask the question because you hear this stuff and it's like, hold on. We're trying for everybody to be, you know, our goal is to be equal and to uplift each other and to be successful. And, and then you hear stuff like this. And it's like, why are you putting this other person down for just, look, they're being themselves. I, I think in most cases, they're just, they're being themselves. They're trying to be the best them they could be. Why are you making it harder? It's normal and natural. Everybody's not gonna like you. You know, people going, there's a difference of opinion. You see it blue, they see it orange. But when you like yourself, when it comes to just bashing you and making it as hard for you as they can and saying things that they know that's gonna sting and hurt, that, that goes a little deeper. I've dealt with it. I've had it happen. Uh, I'm not surprised at it. Uh, I don't think people get <laughs> how difficult that can be for some people. And it was difficult for me in the beginning, but then you had to realize that's not who you are, you know? And I'm sure she realized that's not who she is. And you, you put it out there because you want people to understand what you're dealing with. Not that it really just and makes you want to go crazy. You just want people to know there are real people out there who take it to a whole different level, to a different extreme. And you can hide behind these social media deals and nobody ever know who you are. You know, and so people can say things and <clears throat> you never know who it is. So you learn to not even let it affect you, but to most people it's going to affect you. So I get it. And I hope she doesn't allow it to <laughs> stop her from being as good as she is. So it's not what matters. Yeah. So you said you dealt with it. So obviously you're successful. You came from a tough neighborhood um, mm -hmm. in California and what what did you have to deal with? What is like, can you share something specific or just in general that, you know, how, how and how did you deal with it? When, when whatever it happened to be that that happened to you? Well, what, what happens when, I'm, I can be very honest with you, when you lose at a high level like that and you know, you look, you, you can live with anything. If you're not good enough, you can live with it. If, if you're put in a situation where you know and you fought to get it right, but they just didn't want to get it right, that's hard. And so, and you stand as, as the face of it and you have to take it and you can't go say what it is, what it really is, because you're not allowed to. Your contract doesn't allow you to. People don't understand that. People don't get that. That's hard. And so you got to swallow it week after week after week after week. And things that get said, you want to fight back. Not that you're looking for it. Sometimes you just drive and you had it on the radio and something popped up or you walk into a supermarket and somebody says something and they don't get it. You want so desperately to tell them what's really going on. If you don't have the right foundation, the right support, and if you're not strong enough in who you are, it will bring you to your knees. And I can be very honest and tell you, it did bring me to my knees. But what I was able to do is 
have the right support people that said, get out. You, you need to get going again. This is not who you are. You can't let this define you. Me being a head coach was a job. Me being who I am as a man, a dad, all those things is, is totally different. So you have to understand that that's a whole different world. You got to be able to separate those things very quickly because it can, my value wouldn't just end being a head coach of Cleveland Browns. My value is being everything else that I've, I've done in my life. Well, let's, let's hope that we get to that point where, you know, we see it. Like I, I see it too. I, I see the comments you get, you know, I tell you about some of the stuff that the comments that I get and yeah. I feel like it, it gets me angry. And then I remember like, I've started to do something, which I know that this isn't right either, but when I see the comments, whether it's towards you, towards me, I go and I look at, before I respond, because before I used to, I get angry and I'd respond. Right. And then you gave me good advice. You're like, just, just let it go. They're trying to do that to you. Just leave them alone. And so I started to leave it alone. And then I just, you know, it tweaked me a little bit, some of the things. So I went and checked. And so I went and started looking and I'd see a comment. And so I'd go, oh, let me, let me see who this person is. And, you know, there's no picture there's no bio, you know, there's no connections. Like a lot of times they're, they're, they've just come on, created an account just to say stuff. And I'm like, why am I going to then waste my time on someone who clearly is just, I don't even understand the thrill, right? I'm assuming it's a thrill or the insecurity or the self, you know, what you self-esteem issues you have with yourself that you would take the time to go out and, you know, create an account just so you could bash someone else. It just, I, I, I don't understand it. And it's so many people that, uh, that do it. It's just, it's, it's, or maybe it's the same person doing it over and over again. I don't even know, <laughs> but, but they have a, they do have a following. Yeah. That's what, that's what's really interesting to me. I mean, the, the, the worst thing about it all, Anthony, is people can create narratives that are, so untrue you know through social media and all it, it all it takes is one thing to get rolling and people jump behind it even with maybe not the same comment but something that sounds like that so they're in that same they go into that same bracket that same bucket you know and they just kind of bashing you and they don't even know what they're bashing you for they just did it because somebody else said it. yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's oh, yeah. just weird it happens all the time but and i do i agree with you i wish social media, look, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Um, I would challenge anybody to walk in that other person's shoes before you make those comments um, because they are a person and they might have kids and family members and whatever that is. Um, do you get upset with certain things that people say and do? Absolutely you do. Do you have a right to voice that over, um, you know, social media? I would say you do if you're going to own it. If you're going to be who you are and say, this is, this is me, you know, I, I, I have this opinion for whatever the reason is, and you can conversate with me and I'm not, I'm not going to run from that. I'm not going to hide behind some different handle or title or whatever, and we can go at it that way. And that's different, but that's not what happens. You know, people don't want that to happen. They want to be able to say what they want to say, have a lot of people jump on the wagon they then get kind of drowned out and the whole mass just takes the other person down. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, and the, and the, and the sad part is, and you know, this, then the perception, right. Becomes the reality and it doesn't yes. matter just what the it. truth is. Mm -hmm. It's that, Hey, enough people 
or sometimes one person has said this and that becomes the narrative around around you or around them oh, yeah. and you can't you can't break it but, you know it's funny because it started with the media right let's be honest like the media would say hey this person did this mm-hmm. and then you'll get you know two months later the it's found that that wasn't true and you'll right. get one little line in there that says there oh sorry we were wrong well that's with you now forever that you you did that and now it's and now we've taken it now everyone's become the media Yes. There's little, everybody can just post whatever they want and, and tag you in it and post about you and hashtag you. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, you're going to listen, you're, you're, you're about to enter, you know, you're going to come. I just to be honest with you, right? You, if you guys aren't successful, if you coach George are successful, you're going to come under some criticism, the, the both. Oh, of you. So let's end our, our final our final show on TSU and I know, I know that you like the team. It looks good, right? What are the final stages that you're prepping before the season starts? And, and are you going to be honest with me? Are you Mm going to, are you going to pay attention when, you know, good, good or bad? Are you going to pay attention to what people are saying? Are you just going to focus on what, what, what needs to be done? Winning and getting these kids better. I'm too old to, get caught up in that stuff anymore good okay i am human but i don't i've been through the worst of the worst i know what it sounds like and looks like i know what it feels like um my job is to make sure we play well on offense and have enough points to win and to coach the quarterbacks and get them to be the best they can be and assist eddie george in any way that i can i don't have time to to deal with everything else that could be coming based on who we are as a, as a team. Um, it, we are in the final stages. We've walked the, the fields today, making sure that we're in the right spots that way. Um, what I've learned through it all is that this is different, you know, than, than pro football. I mean, I'm used to having those things done a long time ago. You know, you have those conversations, you know what it is, everything's gonna be. You have field people, equipment people, Everybody, you know, um, we got some great people in at TSU, but at the same time, it's all hands on deck. We all have to help to get this thing up and running the way it needs to be. It's not like we have all the resources uh, that just laid out for us. And I think Eddie's done a great job of creating an environment to get people to help and do more, you know, and that's what you have to do. Uh, It's an exciting time. It's the start of something I think that's going to be great. Uh, how good our football team can be is, is going to be in their belief. You know, it's, it's uh, the mindset and attitude is everything. I think we're going to create the right environment for them and then they got to take it and run with it. I think we'll get them to. Uh, I'm bound and determined to do that. I think the rest of the coaches are. So I think it's going to be uh, a really good season. But at the same time with COVID, everything else, you know, those things, the, the best laid plans could change very quickly. So. We'll see how they go, and we're gonna gonna roll with it, rock with it, do whatever we have to do to make it happen. But uh, we're bound and determined to get it done. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Um, this will not be, although this might be our last show together. This will not be the last time uh, no. that you and I have a conversation. Um, I've already got my plans. I'm coming. I'm gonna be coming down to Nashville. You know, I love Nashville. So any excuse yes. I get to come to Nashville, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna take. Uh, so like I said, best of luck. Listen, the last uh, eight months have been fantastic. 
And mm-hmm. as you know, and I'll say it again so that everybody can hear, I appreciate you. I thank you. You will forever be stuck as one of my friends. So I, yes. I will apologize to you on that behalf. <laughs> no. um, but I look forward to speaking with you down the road and, and we'll bring you back on when, uh, uh, whenever you have some time. I know it's going to be a busy time, but I know you're excited for the challenge. And uh, like I said, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Anthony. Well, you've been a godsend. You, you came into my life at a time where I was searching and looking and still finding my way, you know, after going through what I've been through. And you gave me an opportunity to be on a platform with you, not just to uh, talk about football, but talk about some things in life that was going on. And you made people better. Uh, I think we've made people better by the conversations we had. And if we just help one person along the way, then I think it's been great. But I really appreciate you for your uh, professionalism, for your transparency. Uh, you have a way about you that I think is fantastic. And this show is going to just continue to rise because you get it and you have it. And I hope that people on the mainstream really understand what you bring to the table because you're not somebody that just wings it. You, you research it, you work at it. And there's a lot of people that don't, you know, a lot of people, it's a hobby and they just do what they do. That's not who you are. And I think people got to understand that when you speak, you speak from authority because you know it because you researched it and you know it for fact. And um, I think that that says a lot about who you are. Thank you, coach. I, I appreciate that. Um, so as the final thing, cause I want, this is important and moving forward, I will always promote this cause I think it's important. Can you just maybe give us one one last little uh, bit about the Hugh Jackson Foundation, because mm-hmm. unfortunately I've been seeing too many stories lately uh, coming out uh, about missing children and human trafficking. So if, if you wouldn't mind just kind of ending us right. with that. Oh, absolutely. I, I am very passionate about it. Uh, we want to impact human trafficking. HughJackson.org, people can go and see what we're trying to do with, with our foundation and enough, uh, trying to make a difference in communities. But the human trafficking issue is alive and well, and it is a problem. Um, it is really a black eye against humanity and what's happening to our children, men and women. And um, it's, it's, it's bad. We have a foundation uh, that we've established. We started in Cleveland. We partner with this um, Salvation Army at the Harbor Light District where we house human trafficking victims. Uh, we're trying to do everything we can to do our part. And that, that's nothing what we've done. And there's so much more work to do. We're not going to stop. Uh, Kimberly Demer, she does a great job for the foundation. Uh, Nick Mick, uh, there's a lot of people that we're involved with trying to do anything and everything we can to impact this, this, this problem. And I think people are seeing it more. I know when I travel more, I see different signs in airports and over intercoms, things are being said. I think people are starting to get it more. And hopefully we've, we've started this conversation where people start to understand the signs of it. And if people would just do that better, they would understand it better. Well, thanks coach. I appreciate it. Like I said, it's not, it's Thank not something you. that just, that's just going to go away. So we're no. going to, we're going to be sure to keep talking about as much as, as much as possible. So with that, um, I, I give you a final thank you. And uh, thank you. like I said, I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. Are you fluent in sports? Get the full sports fluent experience by joining us on YouTube by searching Sports Fluent. Or you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sports underscore fluent or by visiting 
sportsfluent.com. Need more from sports? Don't forget to check out undraftedsports.com. The Undrafted Sports Media Network has everything you need from every sport under the sun.